Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Aurora Live Executive Network and this episode of In Conversation With. This is a series where we interview prominent business leaders and inspiring people from all over the world, from all different sectors and from all different fields of expertise. We're going to try to not focus that much on business side, but rather the personal side. Um, what makes these leaders tick? What are the personal values and drivers and what keeps them awake at night? Also, what inspires them to all the time trying to become even better true leader? My name is Robert Johansson and I'm going to be your moderator for today. This is a unique moment for you to tune into a personal conversation with another interesting business leader. With us today, we have the CEO of Storebrand Asset Management. His name is Jan-Erik Saugestad and he's a well-known and prominent figure in sustainable investing. During Jan-Erik's leadership, Storebrand Asset Management has become the largest asset manager in Norway and the fifth largest in the Nordics. They manage captive pension capital from Storebrand Life, SPP Life, as well as institutional and private capital through brands such as Storebrand, Skagen, Delphi, Kubera and Capital Investment. We're going to delve into Jan's personal journey and learn more about his personal values and what motivates him to be a true leader. As an experienced board member and public speaker, Jan is known for his insights on sustainable investing and moving capital towards a more sustainable future. So, without further ado, welcome to In Conversation with Jan-Erik Saugestad. Good morning, Jan-Erik, and welcome to uh, In Conversation with yourself. <laughs> Good morning. Glad to be here. <laughs> uh, I think we are just going to dive into our question from our last guest. Uh, his name was Chris Kay. He was the CEO of Saatchi & Saatchi in UK. And his question to you were, to follow the theme on leadership, if there's one thing you can change in how the world views you as a leader, what would it be? Well, that was a tricky one. We should really ask someone else than myself. Um, no, but uh, I think I am regarded as a you know hardcore investment professional uh, with my long experience in that field uh, also as you alluded to in the intro uh, really a pioneer when it comes to sustainable investments so if there's one thing I've been on the journey uh, on and, and really want to uh, bring more forward is, is probably the the people dimension of my leadership okay and what do you think is isn't shown in that dimension of your leadership? What, what, are, what is the kind of the world surrounding you not seeing of your part as a leader? Well, I'm not saying that it's, uh, they're not being recognized as, as, a, as a people leader, but I, I think it's an area where I really want to continue to develop. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's been a journey for me coming from the investment side to, to into a management role uh, where I spend more and more time, of course, uh, uh, leading and managing people. Uh, and that is a skill that uh, I guess you will never fully master uh, and you can always be better. That's true. And you've been with Storebrand for over two decades now. I think you started as a portfolio manager and you've climbed up all the way to the CEO share. And looking back at your career trajectory, are there some defining moments that helped you grow and develop as a leader? Uh, Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I assumed the role as, as chief investment officer, you know, just ahead of, of the financial crisis. And I, I think that year or those years uh, coming into 2007 and for that matter, 2008, 
uh, was really, you know, teaching me a lot about um, making decisions under extreme uncertainty uh, and really uh, ability to make quick decisions and no regret moves. So that was one uh, moment. And uh, of course, also uh, when I was assigned the, the CEO role uh, and got the opportunity to really uh, implement that uh, vision of building uh, a Nordic uh, leading asset management institution. And uh, if I want to put in a, a third, it's probably the acquisition we did of Skagen back in 2017, which was the first acquisition for the group uh, in, in more than 10 years. Uh, with a lot of focus, uh, a lot of uncertainty, uh, but it has been very successful uh, when we look back. That's interesting. What What are your kind of main learnings from when trying to merge in two different cultures like that? Well, I, I think one of the key learnings is, is really to recognize uh, that you are dealing with different cultures and uh, you have to pretty early uh, both establish mutual respect for the differences, uh, but at the same time also be able to create a clear target picture uh, of where you want to go. And, uh, you know, if we ask people also in Skagen uh, today, uh, they would say Stormrun did exactly what they uh, told uh, people in Skagen they would do, uh, nothing more, nothing less, and it's been a very transparent and successful uh, acquisition. Um, you've been at Storebrand now for 24 years. What has kept you there so long? Yeah, it, it's long. I, I think I have a sense that I've been on a sort of continuous journey, uh, new challenges, new tasks. Um, you know, we <clears throat> entered into Sweden uh, also uh, in 2008, uh, and it's been a you know a, a quite a significant growth story. So that is really energizing to, to build and grow a business like we have done. Uh, the other is, of course, the sense of purpose, um, you know, managing capital on behalf of, of uh, many people uh, comes with a lot of responsibility, uh, but it also uh, gives you a, a strong sense of purpose. And of course, uh, the work we've been doing on sustainable investments uh, with that international network we're also building in that area is really uh, rewarding and, and you know, it, it's something I really enjoy uh, doing. Could you look back at your career and like see a specific stage of your career where you did realize that this is actually the right choice for me? Or has it always felt like, okay, this is, has always felt like the right choice for me? You know, uh, been working in, in the investment banking and then later on the investment side, uh, for the whole of my career. I find it fascinating to work in these markets. You know, every situation is new. Uh, you're basically, you know, if you're keen on learning, constantly learning new things and, and really spend time understanding some of the, you know, the global, uh, the global complexity, I, I find it immensely rewarding. So for me, uh, you know, investing has always been a place I want to be. Uh, and, uh, you know, for the last uh, 20 years, uh, sustainability and the combination of sustainability and investing has, has really been, you know, uh, adding even an, another dimension to it. But what was it, when you look at, back at when you first started as Storebron, what was it that piqued your interest 
to make you feel like, okay, this is what I want to start with? Well, I, I spent uh, you know a couple of years as a as a you know strategy consultant at McKinsey, uh, giving advice. I spent close to ten years as an investment banker giving advice. So I think what really triggered me about moving to the if you like the buy side was really to now be in a position where you can make these decisions and uh, implement strategies. And I found that sort of intriguing. Uh, so that's part of the reason why I shifted to, to the buy side. Uh, and after that, of course, it's been a continuous learning. What keeps you inspired and motivated? Well, I, I, I think I you know, covered it partly. I mean, the, the markets themselves, the dynamics in the markets, I, I find it is, is really inspiring and, and challenging and, and motivating. Uh, the ability then to help clients and advise clients how to navigate in these markets, I also find uh, inspiring and, and rewarding. But of course, uh, sustainable investments where we, we have a pioneer role uh, and a, have been a leader for a long time uh, really gives you a sense of purpose. And uh, you know it makes me proud to talk about my, my work uh, when I talk to my kids, for instance. Is there something on a personal level that you wish that you had known before assuming your current role as a CEO? Well, you know, I, I came into the role with an investment professional background, sort of being a portfolio manager, a chief investment officer. And in hindsight, I, you know, I probably focused too much on the financials. Uh, and I pretty soon realized that, yes, that is engaging for some but not uh, the whole organization. So uh, really that shift to, to focus more on, you know, the organizational issues to on the people side is something I, you know, learned in my role and, and I could probably have entered the role with that, uh, the people focus uh, first, if you like. What was the most surprising thing that you've learned when after you've taken up the role as a CEO? <sighs> it, it's hard to pinpoint anything that is really surprising but one of the the the, the things that I, I i have came come to to recognize and i think uh, most people do is is you know, motivation is very different people are motivated by, by very different elements so it, so it's important to to draw up a strategic position uh, or a target picture of where you want to go uh, in, in several dimensions to really engage the whole organization. As a CEO of one of the largest, largest asset management companies in the world, what do you think are some of the most important leadership skills and competences that have helped you succeed in this industry? Well, I always, you know, you know focus on, on, you know, curiosity. I think uh, if you're curious, you know, that's a key skill to have. And of course... Um, a certain degree of impatience is also uh, useful because uh, we really have to uh, be able to to move uh, fast and you have to be uh, willing to take risk to grow uh, the top line but really curiosity i think is a key key trait as as a leader could you give an example where your kind of curiosity and risk taking has gone a bit too far i th- i think it's sort of hard to really find an example where it's gone too far so far we we've, we've been you know reasonably <laughs> successful with what we've been been uh, 
doing. So I, I can't come up with a good example of where my curiosity have already uh, gone to too far. Yeah, because I agree. I think curiosity is one of the best, most important leadership skills that one could have. Asking the questions are, are so important. Mm. But the reason asking that is is because kind of discussing if you would call it failures or not, but but or taking it too far. But it, it's it's a great way to learn. If I would rephrase it and say that, well, what are some of the more challenging experiences that you faced during your career, and what kind of key learnings have you take, taken from that? Uh, and, and I think, of course, uh, one of the <laughs> very challenging periods was uh, when uh, you know I, I spent about one year in the in the role as a chief investment officer, and we you know ran straight into the financial crisis. Uh, that was you know uh, quite a stressful period. You know, it was totally unpredictable how it unfold. You know, what positions uh, your counterparts or, or uh, competitors would take was was highly unpredictable, and you had to you know make quick decisions uh, and and no regret moves. Um, so I think that that was a, a challenging period, but also after the fact when I realized that yes, we navigated through this in a good way. We incurred very low losses. We were able to step into situations and take risk. It, it also gave both the organization and myself, uh, you know, a bit of self-confidence, uh, and that was useful when we then stepped into the Swedish market and started to build our position there. So that that's one area. The other was, of course, back in later on. I think it was about uh, 2012, 2013. Uh, you know, it, it was quite a stressful capital situation in the Stormont Group back then. Uh, we have to take quite significant uh, measures on cost. And that was also, you know, a, a challenging period. And it's, uh, it really, I, I, you know, learned me or, or gave me that experience. And, and uh, hence, I, I focus a lot on top light growth, of course, financial discipline. But I think to, to focus on growth uh, is really key for an organization. So that was, was the learning point from this uh, cost-cutting exercise, which is quite you know, challenging and, and difficult to execute. And uh, uh, it doesn't really bring, bring uh, long-term value into the equation. But if you look at that, those two situations, those two great examples, could you kind of crystallize one or two things from a leadership perspective that you learned about yourself as a leader that you could actually say, this is important that I take with me further on in my career? Well, I, I think the, the first instance was, uh, you know, the ability to make decisions under both high uncertainty and time pressure and sort of withstand that. That was, uh, you know, one of, of uh, the key takeaways. And, uh, and as I said, the, you know, the, this executing on a cost-cutting exercise uh, really requires diligence and stamina and transparency uh, and i've also carried that with me uh, going forward that if you're really transparent about the situation people are smart they will recognize what measures need to be taken and that is a much better approach than trying to maybe um, not be uh, as as transparent so transparency has really been one of my my key if you like um learning points and, and to keep that transparency going forward is, is some, something I think about every day. It's a lot easier to lead when people know exactly what is the purpose of you leading. 
Let's go into to the sustainability part. Ten years ago, you led Storebrand's decision to divest from coal companies. What was the thought process behind this decision and its impact on the company's performance? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've been working on on sustainable investments for you know twenty uh, five years, and and that decision on coal was just one uh, brick in in uh, as as part of our overall uh, climate policy. The motivation was uh, firstly because we we felt it was a, a, a sensible move in order to uh, reduce our own uh, risk and exposure uh, to a sector that is, you know, evidently going to be challenged uh, going forward. Uh, secondly, we really wanted to send a very clear signal about the role coal will play in the energy mix going forward. Uh, or I should rather say the role it should not play uh, in the energy uh, going forward. Of course, selling out of companies is, is really not the most useful ter- tool in, in order to transform uh, the economy and, and make a real economy impact. But it was really to reduce our own risk and also to send a very clear signal and try to mobilize other investors to also uh, divest from coal. Um, as, a, as a consequence. And you've been a vocal advocate for sustainable investing and you've, been, you've spoken at numerous, numerous conferences and, and events on the topic. Um, how do mm. you see the role of sustainable invest, investing evolving in the coming years? I think there, there is now a, a recognition that uh, you know, the financial sector and private capital has a key role to play. Even within the, the if you like the, the political systems actually the the cop 15 the you know when uh, the coming agreement uh, and and the paris agreement for nature um you know that was the first time they had a separate finance day uh, and in the statement there is a clear reference to the role private capital plays so that has been recognized i think there is a tendency uh, also now within sustainable investments to really look at how can you contribute to the transformation that is required. So not only position your own portfolios uh, uh, the best possible way, but also how your portfolios through active ownership or investments in solutions are really having a real economy uh, impact. So, so those are the two key elements, I would say, uh, that sort of... Uh, is reflected in in, uh, sustainable investing today. Of course, there are also some, you know, very important challenges uh, arising and uh, people question these uh, roles, both the role of the financial sector uh, and uh, the role uh, of of being uh, transformational. And uh, particularly in the US, you have seen that, that polarization. But for us, Sustainable investments have always been uh, in the best interest of our policyholders in order to have the best long-term risk-adjusted return. And of course, one of those polarizing topics would be, for example, nuclear power. What would be kind of your stance, if I would to dare to ask you, on, on investing in, for example, nuclear power, given that it's secure and safe? Well, I, I think we have to recognize that our perspectives on, on different issues uh, like nuclear power uh, and for that matter, weapons, is really evolving. And, uh, 
you know, in in our policy, um, you know, we we do recognize that nuclear power is an important part of the energy mix today and will be that for for uh, quite a period going forward. And uh, but I think that is is part of the, the, the sort of the tricky issue with with uh, sustainable investing. Uh, it's not the black and white uh, kind of. Uh, decision and it's constantly evolving when i say polarization it's not so much on on specific issues like that it's more the general notion uh that uh, particularly in the us uh, you've seen you know uh, politicians really challenging uh, the role of investors in climate transition or sustainable investments in in general so that was the kind of polarization i was referring to Okay, thank you. If you were, when you talk to your leadership group in in Storebrand, is there a specific like investment or project that you are particularly proud of being part of? I'm particularly proud of the fact that uh, you know we are constantly an early mover, and uh, we have this term and, and strategic position we're we're aiming for, which is uh, to you know to be a sustainability pioneer, and uh, you know. In a global context, we're a rather small company. Uh, we have resources, but uh, we also have, given our size, an ability to move fast. So I, I would say that's really the general. We were early on climate. You know, we were quite an early mover uh, engaging on the deforestation. Uh, we even were one of the, the, the founders of the... Uh, investment policy uh, dialogue alliance on deforestation, both engaging with Brazil, Indonesia, uh, and the EU. And, uh, you know, that was follow up by, by the participation and, and we represented the finance for biodiversity uh, alliance in the, the COP15. Uh, and now we're also, you know, quite uh, in the forefront when it comes to social issues like uh, Uh, minimum living wage and and uh, equal pay, so I, I think it's the ability to always be on the sort of boundary of what is possible uh, that I'm I'm particularly proud of. That's a good answer. But what is your secret to kind of staying ahead of the curve? Well, first of all, we we need a good team. <laughs> you need good people uh, and people with uh, you know a strong sense of purpose. You know, we have dedicated teams on identifying investment and sustainable solutions. We have a very dedicated and diverse uh, ESG risk and ownership uh, team responsible for policy and corporate engagement, uh, but also equally uh, portfolio managers that uh, uh, you know uh, really have this issue close to the heart. Um, so good team and good people. Uh, and then curiosity uh, and willingness to really be on that bleeding edge or, or that boundary of what is possible. Uh, maybe recognizing that we, we don't have all the data we need, uh, but we have a, a pretty strong hypothesis of what we need to do. Is it kind of an ambition for you to be considered a thought leader on sustainable investments? I'll be brief on that question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's easy to, to interpret, yeah. But then again, kind of keeping... or What do you think are, uh, gives you the competitive edge to attract the best minds for that team that should keep you ahead of the curve? 
Well, uh, it, it's sort of uh, not self-fulfilling, but of, of course, uh, we are recognized in the Nordics and even, you know, way beyond the Nordics as, as one of the thought leaders and pioneers. So that in itself will attract people with that conviction. Uh, we spend uh, time uh, with academics. We spend time in, in uh, uh, you know, in the schools to, to talk about the work we do. That also uh, raises interest and, and um, you know, helps us draw on, on strong talent. But it, it's really uh, also the fact that the, we've been able to turn this position also into a commercial position and, and demonstrating an, an ability to grow and commercialize sustainable investments. I, I think that also helps us draw draw the the, the kind of resources we uh, we need being the ceo being like the top dog of the company who do you go to to get advice well i really try to spend uh, you know a, a bit of time with clients i think there's always a danger that as management you 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 know there's so much you need to deal with internally uh, that you spend too little time uh, in your ecosystem. So I try to talk to clients uh, to be inspired, uh, but also discuss dilemmas. And uh, I also try to to participate in, in different, uh, you know, gatherings where, where other CEOs uh, come together and, and discuss uh, industry trends and, and maybe even uh, share perspectives. I think really uh, there isn't a secret source uh, out there. Uh, I think it's much more about how you're able to mobilize your organization and what kind of pace you're able to to move in. Most people know what direction we, we need to move. Well, thank you very much, Jan-Erik. It's actually time to conclude our talk. Um, but before we do, I'd like to hear your question for our next guest in this series. His name is Jerry Inserio, and he is Group Chief Executive Officer of DGDA. So what would be your question to Jerry? Well, it, it, I, w- I was tempted to, to ask something about you know, artificial intelligence, but as we are really sort of diving into that on our own. Uh, but uh, my question would rather be related to sustainability and leadership. So my question is, how can you uh, and your firm make a real economy impact? And what can you do uh, as a leader? Great question, Jan-Erik. Thank you very much for joining us today. And a big thank you to our audience for joining us today on this episode of In Conversation with Jan-Erik Saugestad from Storebrand Asset Management. Thank you very much. Thank you.